coming up. Obviously, we've had homicides in the last several years, but uh, something of this magnitude. Um, I've been here for, I'm working on my 33rd year uh, working for Dunn County, and uh, this is the first. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. On Sunday, September 12th, a farmer in rural Dunn County, Wisconsin, noticed a black SUV in the middle of a cornfield. At uh, 2.18 p.m. Sunday, September 12th, the Dunn County Communication Center received a 911 call of three people in a vehicle that were not moving. The vehicle was out in a cornfield just off County Trunk Highway Triple V, and that's in Sheridan Township, which is in the northwest corner of Dunn County. About 12 minutes later, police and first responders arrived on the scene. They discovered a black SUV that had been intentionally driven off the road about 50 yards into a standing cornfield. Inside the SUV, responding deputies found a total of four occupants, all deceased. Before I bring in our reporter for today's episode, I want to let you know that right after we spoke, authorities announced an arrest in this case, followed by a second arrest a couple days later. So we recorded a quick follow-up conversation on those developments that you'll hear towards the end of the episode. Gordon Severson has been covering this story for CARE 11 in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Gordon, tell us about this awful discovery made in a Wisconsin cornfield on the afternoon of September 12th, a Sunday afternoon. Yeah, witnesses and uh, neighbors tell me that this uh, SUV was discovered Sunday afternoon by a farm worker who was out working uh, in the fields harvesting corn Sunday afternoon and was actually driving in a tractor uh, across the street and could see uh, something that was black kind of hidden behind the, the rows of corn there and thought it looked a little peculiar. And then he also noticed that there was some uh, corn that had been knocked down. So he uh, called it in and deputies got there a few minutes later. And that's when they discovered the four bodies, the, the four dead victims in that SUV. And I spoke with the uh, town board chair uh, who's been in that position for a while there. And he told me that told me this is a uh, very unusual for this area. He said they've had some drug problems in Dunn County over the years, but have never seen anything quite like this with four victims uh, found in a car in a cornfield. And what was odd about the placement of this SUV is that this is a rural area in Dunn County, but this spot in particular is actually just a few hundred feet away from their town hall. And it wasn't that deep into the cornfield. It was only maybe 50 to 100 feet away from the road um, and obviously was visible um, from across the street from that farm worker who was able to see it uh, when he had kind of a higher view from the tractor. And I was actually mentioning to my photographer that, you know, there were several places that uh, along the way on our way to this spot that were more remote and more difficult to find. So deputies and the sheriff are, are really curious why this spot, why this county, why this township, uh, they, they really don't have any connection that draws these four individuals to this area. All four of them uh, are from the Twin Cities. One, one, one of them is from Stillwater, which is a suburb of Minneapolis, and the other three are from St. Paul. And at this time, there's really no evidence that links any of them to this rural community in Dunn County, Wisconsin. Through our investigation, those four people have been identified and their names were released earlier today after all of their family 
had been notified and they had time to notify other family members. Those victims are Natasha Flug Presley, 30 years old, Matthew Pettis, 26 years old, Lois Foreman III, 35 years old, and Jasmine Sturm, 30 years old, all from the Twin Cities area. What else can you tell us about these four victims? Who were they and how exactly had they been killed? All four victims were killed uh, by gunshots. That's what the sheriff's office told us. But at this time, he wasn't able to, to tell us if these individuals were killed in the cornfield in their car or if this uh, SUV was driven there after, and they were killed somewhere else. Um, that was kind of the big question that, that we were wondering is, is, did this crime happen in Dunn County or did it happen in the Twin Cities? And the, whoever did this was merely trying to conceal and hide these bodies in a remote location, which um, is kind of what a lot of people were assuming, but we really don't know either way at this time. Um, it is about an hour and a half uh, drive from the Twin Cities. So this is quite a distance away. Um, and that's just the big question is why this cornfield? Why this area? That's the mystery that everyone is looking to solve right now. Have we heard anything from the family members of these four victims as you and your colleagues have been working to piece together what happened? Yeah, while I was in Wisconsin um, covering the investigation, one of my colleagues was here in the Twin Cities uh, reaching out to the families. And he did, he was able to reach out to one family member, uh, a father. Uh, his name was uh, Damone Presley. He is the father of Natasha Presley, who is uh, 30, year old, 30 years old from Stillwater. And he mentioned that he last spoke with his daughter on Sunday morning. And that makes sense with what the sheriff's office was telling us. He said that uh, the the bodies were discovered Sunday afternoon, and he says that by their estimates, they had been there for less than 24 hours. Um, so what this father is saying that when he spoke to his daughter um, Saturday morning, that definitely adds up with um, what the sheriff's office was saying. And he mentioned that she had said she wanted to go out with some of her friends that night and was looking to you know, spend some time with them and have some fun. Uh, we are working on a follow-up story here today, and it appears that at least two of these individuals were uh, seen at a bar restaurant in St. Paul um, that night. So that's kind of what we're working on now, but we are, don't really know too much about these individuals yet. We're still working to reach out more to more of their families and get a better sense of who they were. And when you say that night, you're talking about the Saturday night before they were discovered? Correct. Yes. That's that's what the father had said. And um, with the owner of this restaurant had confirmed that they were there. We're not exactly sure yet about if it was kind of an early evening, more like a five or six o'clock, or if it was a late night, kind of a bar closed situation in past midnight. Um, we're still working to figure out what the timing was there. And then maybe if deputies have that information, they can maybe trace back as well how long that SUV had been in that cornfield, if it had been there all night Saturday, or if it was something that happened in the wee early morning hours of Sunday morning. You've alluded to this press conference that the Dunn County Sheriff held two days after this discovery on that Tuesday. 
First off, as a reporter covering this, what questions were at the top of your mind going into this press conference? What were you hoping that we might learn? The biggest question was just what what's the connection to Dunn County, Wisconsin? Because at that point, um, before the press conference, we had already kind of had it confirmed independently that these victims were from the Twin Cities. And during that press conference, the sheriff confirmed that. And so we were just really curious about why Dunn County, why Sheridan Township, which is, I'm told, a town of only 450 people. And it is kind of off the beaten path, so to speak. There's no interstate or main highway that's nearby uh, that is a direct connection to the Twin Cities. You kind of have to go out of your way to get there. And the sheriff during the press conference mentioned that they have no evidence that links these two places and they don't believe that there was any connection with any locals in the county. There's no connection to this area. So, um, yeah, I don't know how, I, we, we can't suspect somebody locally of um, randomly killing four people from the Twin Cities. He did mention that they have had some drug problems over the years, but um, did not confirm or deny that this is drug related. He, he wouldn't uh, confirm any of that information. But it just it's still a mystery as why this why this area in particular. And we weren't able to answer that. And at this point, I don't think investigators know, um, even if you know, they might be able to encounter that, uh, be, might be able to uncover that in the next couple of weeks. But um, that is still the biggest mystery at this point is why this area? Uh, another question we were looking to figure out again is we were looking to figure out if these individuals were killed in this cornfield or if they were transported there as an effort to conceal or hide them. And we weren't able to get that information uh, either. And we asked about drug activity. The sheriff wasn't able to confirm or deny any of that. Not not as a motive or anything uh, specific to that. Um, it very well could be, and that could be discovered through our investigation. And some other information we were looking to to get is just any sort of sense of who these individuals were. And at that point, the sheriff didn't have too much information about these individuals and their connections to each other, for that matter. Um, two of the victims were brother and sister, and uh, one was a boyfriend of one of the other victims, to our knowledge. One other detail that he mentions is that his team believes that whoever did this left the area, that there wasn't an active threat to Dunn County residents. So is the assumption there that whoever did this didn't leave on foot? That was one, that was the assumption right away, was that they left on foot. And they, initially he put out a warning to people in that area to be on the lookout for someone who might be looking for a ride. And if you did encounter someone looking for a ride or who was knocking on doors to call the sheriff's office right away. But then later he said that they had some uh, reports that there may have been a second dark colored SUV in that area. And that may have been the way that this person got out of the area and went back to the Twin Cities. We're still trying to uh, figure out the validity of that information. And we're, um, we're working on that. That's why I put out, uh, I believe it was last night, that we may be seeking information of the, the two vehicles being seen. You know, we'd like to get more information on that if, if people actually witnessed you know, multiple vehicles from with Minnesota plates may stand out to somebody that aren't, you know, Wheeler's a pretty small town, so 
it may, may have caught people's attention. And that was kind of their assumption, it seemed like. it did. They didn't have any evidence that really said this person or these people have in fact left this area. And that was something we did ask quite a few times during the press conference is, do we know for sure that this person left? You know, how do we know for sure? And the sense we got from the sheriff is that based on all the evidence they have, they're assuming these people have left and that they're not connected to this area. And there isn't a threat, uh, no longer a threat to this community. But he wasn't able to say that for sure. We believe that the suspect or suspects in this case left the area after abandoning the SUV in the cornfield. That's why we no longer feel that there is a concern for local residents' safety. Initially, it was unknown if the suspect or suspects in this case were still in the area on foot. We are now confident that the suspect or suspects had left the area before the SUV and bodies were ever discovered. And I assume that's an effort to kind of quell some of the fears and concerns of this uh, small town that obviously does not see this kind of criminal activity very often. But he, he wasn't able to for sure say that that was the case, that these people were not from the area and that they are gone. Um, so that was something that I'm sure a lot of the people in the area are going to continue to watch to see if he can come forward in the next day or two with some new evidence that does confirm that these people are no longer in the area and are no, in no way connected to this area, which I think would probably bring some comfort to some of these neighbors who have been through quite a bit the last couple of days. And if it is possible that there was a second vehicle, that would seem to suggest that there might be multiple suspects here. Did he talk about that at all? Yeah, we asked if they if they were looking for one suspect or multiple suspects. He said they really don't know at this at this time. Um, my sense is that there is some evidence in the car with you know the way the the shots were fired, the way the individuals um, were killed that could offer some evidence as to was this one person, was this multiple uh, suspects who were involved. But the the sheriff was pretty open about saying that there were some details of this case that they are not able to tell us at this time to protect the investigation. So my sense is that the investigators do have some sort of an idea of how many suspects and how many shooters may have been involved, but are not able to pass on that information to us at this time. Um, they, he did, however, say that everyone that is who is connected to these victims is a suspect at this point. And they are going through that long list of people, acquaintances, family members, anyone that these four individuals have encountered to try to see if there is any connection, uh, any sort of reason that would bring those people to that area. Um, and they're also looking for cameras and witnesses who are along that journey between the Twin Cities and Dunn County to see if they can create some sort of a map or a timeline as to where these people were at what time and can try to rule people out as suspects. Uh, so it it could be a long time before we really, if ever, get to the down to who did this, uh, who killed these four people. And maybe the biggest question on everyone's mind at this point, I know a reporter at this press conference asked about a motive, what a possible motive could be here. What did the sheriff say about that, if anything? Yeah, the biggest motive that people were 
asking and reporters were kind of prying into was, was this drug related? And that was the assumption from, you know, some of my colleagues and some of the community members that I interviewed uh, and spoke with during the day. Uh, but the, the sheriff was not able to say if that was any if that was true or not. Uh, he said at this time they have no motive that is clear, uh, no evidence that suggests why this happened. And that, again, is the biggest question is why, what was the motive and why did they choose this cornfield, this town in particular? As I mentioned at the top of the episode, there was some breaking news right after Gordon Severson and I recorded the conversation you just heard. So we recorded a second conversation to bring you up to speed on some major developments in this case. Gordon, when we last spoke, we didn't have any named suspects in this case. There had not been any arrests. Now there have been two. Bring us up to speed. What all has happened in the days since we last talked about this case? Yeah, so shortly after our interview, uh, we had heard from police that they had one suspect in uh, custody and they were looking for a second. And so they have now arrested Darren Osborne and Antoine Suggs. Uh, and police tell us that Suggs is actually, um, uh, Osborne is Suggs' father. So it's a, a father-son uh, pairing in this situation. And during an interview with police, um, Osborne says that he he had basically admitted to following his son to Wisconsin, uh, but he claims that he didn't see the bodies in the SUV, and he um, said that he did not know what was going on. Uh, we also have learned that police now believe that the the crime, the the killing, actually happened in St. Paul, and that the suspect suspects drove these bodies to this rural cornfield in Wisconsin, um, which is a, a big piece of information in this case, because up until that point, we were trying to figure out where this crime actually happened. And so now that we know that these deaths happened in St. Paul, the St. Paul Police Department has actually taken over the case. They're the lead agency with this case. And the FBI and the Minnesota BCA uh, are now involved uh, as well. Do we have any other information on these two men who've been arrested? Particularly, I'm wondering if we know anything about a possible relationship to the four victims? At this time, investigators haven't given us any new information on that front. The information that we are able to get in this case are now coming from court documents and police documents. Um, The investigators aren't sharing too much new information. Uh, A few things that we have been able to find out with some of these records was that police are are testing a cigarette butt that they found in the cornfield for DNA. They also found some shell casings in the vehicle. So they're testing all of that evidence to figure out uh, what was going on. We also are finding out a little bit more about the path that these suspects took uh, to bring these bodies to Wisconsin, there was uh, the Menominee Police Department has had a squad car that happened to capture some footage of one of these SUVs driving by about three hours before this vehicle was found, which is a very tight window of time. So it puts that vehicle in the area just a matter of hours before this farmer found the SUV in the field. And the the reason that this squad car was able to get this video was that the officer had pulled someone over and this SUV just happened to be uh, driving away. And later, the investigators went back to that spot 
uh, to look for some evidence, and they found some blood droplets in that area. And uh, police also happened to find some blood droplets at a gas station in Wheeler, which is just a short uh, distance away from where these bodies were found in that cornfield. And so they're starting to piece together a little bit more of the path that that they took in order to conceal these bodies. And within the last few days, uh, GoFundMe pages have also been created for all four of these victims. Uh, A lot of the families here are still also looking for answers. Uh, There is a strong chance that someone out there, you know, knows something about why these individuals were connected to Osborne and Suggs. Obviously, <laughs> Osborne and Suggs themselves know the connection here, but that's another piece of this case that we're still trying to figure out is what connected these two suspects to these four victims and why this cornfield? I mean, we know that this was appears to be an attempt to conceal these bodies, but we don't know exactly why he went to this very rural area, this very rural town that is an hour and a half away from Minneapolis. And one of the two men who's been arrested turned himself in out of state, as I understand, right? Yeah, investigators told us that Antoine Suggs turned himself in and he is currently being held in Gilbert, Arizona, where he is awaiting extradition to uh, Minnesota. Being that this case was handed over to St. Paul, uh, everything is going to happen in Minnesota now versus Wisconsin. And Darren Osborne is currently being held in Ramsey County, which is uh, here in the Twin Cities. So both of them are in different places, but eventually they will be uh, nearby here in the Twin Cities where they will await. Uh, more charges and uh, the rest of the court proceedings for this case. What charges are Antoine Suggs and Darren Osborne facing as of now? So at this time, uh, they have been charged with four counts of hiding and interfering with a corpse. They No murder charges or any other charges at this time. Investigators tell us that based on the evidence that they have, those are the charges that they can uh, file against these two individuals at this time, which is four counts of hiding and interfering with the corpse. But investigators do tell us that there is a strong chance that more charges could be coming down the down the line. They are still getting the evidence together and finalizing things before they file any additional charges in this case. We'll be keeping a close eye on your reporting as we continue to learn more. Gordon Severson with CARE 11. Thanks for bringing us this story. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Daily Crime. For more on this case as it continues to develop, you can visit care11.com. If you're looking for more podcasts, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of our shows, including our weekly podcast, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.